0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Hi, and welcome to You Little Ripper. I'm Kurt Fernley, former Paralympian, and on today's show, Dylan Orcott. We spoke with him before what may be his last Paralympic tennis match, but what sport could he be turning his hand to next? And if you thought a 30 minute podcast was good, we're probably gonna go 45, so strap yourself in, kids. It's gonna be a ride.
0: I'm Georgie Tunney, ABC sports reporter and official timekeeper here at You Little Ripper. <laughs> so if we go over 45, Kurt Fernley, I'm gonna to have to pull the plug. 45. Heart, out, heart I don't, out. for us. I don't
1: believe you at all, Georgie.
0: <laughs> You're right. I would definitely not do that. I would let us talk for three hours. We, as always, are broadcasting from Wurundjeri country. Kurt, we're getting down to the pointy end of the Paralympics now, the penultimate day of action. But before we preview what is ahead, let's get reflective. Let's look back. My You Little Ripper moment in the past 24 hours happened on the water, not in the water, it's not the dolphins, happened on the water, and it's Curtis McGrath, the what, gold medal.
1: What an absolute legend. He, he he is just becoming the symbol of the Paralympic movement. Yeah. The way that he speaks, the the, the way that he holds himself, he, he he really does have a special place in the, the, the Paralympic family itself. Um, but... I think externally he is going to be one of the faces, one of the names, one of the stories that the Australian public really attach to this movement.
0: Mm -hmm. And they already do. They're already resonating with him. Again yesterday watching his final in the 200 metre KL2, everyone stopped who I was around, everyone watched and everyone cheered and he won I'm going to say convincingly because 200 metres isn't a very, I mean, it's a long distance if you were canoeing and if you were kayaking and going your absolute hardest. But in terms of the distance, one metre may as well be 100 metres if we scale it. You know, he won very convincingly.
1: Well, one, me, one, one inch is 100 metres <laughs> <laughs> yes. when, when you're talking about a Paralympic gold medal that's yeah. on the line. Uh, it, it was a, an amazing uh, uh, event. And considering the the drama field qualification rounds, he yeah. came out in the semi, he smashed. he broke a Paralympic record he came back out and he just he just performs again and again and and it's exciting that we get to see him one more time but that's for later in the show that's
0: for later in the show so we're going to touch on that but also just a really quick shout out before we get your you little ripper moment Kurt, Susan Seiple, she won silver yesterday as well in the VAR 200 metre VL2 final
1: my you little ripper moment from, from the last 24 hours it goes to the men's 4x100 metre relay team, Timothy Hodge, Timothy Diskin, uh, Will Martin and Ben Popham. Uh, but we did find uh, Timothy Diskin lost his mother in the last uh, 72 hours. Yeah. Uh, it, I can't imagine processing that. Uh, I can't imagine going through that uh, so far away uh, mm-hmm. from, from the rest of his family. Mm. But it was so beautiful to see his Paralympic family almost holding him up. Yes. You, you know, Will Martin... Will Martin with his arms around uh, Disco's back, and you could see he was rubbing him on the back, like yeah. consoling him as he, as he was speaking about his mum Jenny, and uh, that that is what. That is what we see, you know. It was a bit of a. Movement. I've got you. I'm here. It I'm
0: was. here. To keep going. It,
1: yeah. It was literally holding his teammate up, holding mm-hmm. his friend up, so he could speak about the loss and and speak about the moment that he was in. Uh, that was that was amazing. But and and of course here at, here in the I know that we would also and so would the entire Paralympic family and the Australian family mm-hmm. pass out our love and best wishes to to Timothy Dis- uh, Diskin's family yes. and friends and community that that is a huge loss but i'm sure uh, i'm sure that Jenny would be so proud of uh, of her son uh, of how he speaks of who he is of what he does and uh, yeah our, our love and thoughts go out to the entire community around him
0: and he just happened to win a silver medal for you Jenny last night so that was so so beautiful the team itself we know i'm obsessed with the dolphins but What a performance to end the meet for the Dolphins. Like it was the final night in the pool and the 4x100 medley relay, it was honestly probably one of the best races that we have had over the entire Paralympics. And just this team, you mentioned them, Hodge, Diskin, Martin, Popham, Superstars. superstars, and they're going to be household names, which but, I love.
1: And, and a, a huge part of that team. I think Disco is the oldest, and he's like 25 years old. Oh, really? You know? <laughs> the best of the rest. I'm going straight to James Jimmy Turner. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was amazing in the heats of the men's 100 metre T36. He... he, he out of the blocks in yep. the way that Jimmy does he's an
0: amazing he's, start he
1: has an incredible start and then he accelerated all the way past the rest in his seat and then he just switched off and... <laughs> uh,
0: I was talking to yuka and I do like in Jimmy Turner the enjoyment I get watching Jimmy Turner race to what I get when I used to watch Usain Bolt race because they just have that style that you can't look away from and halfway through this race you can see the moment where Jimmy just goes I'm just gonna start cruising now like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chill for a bit and then just like crosses, still first, mm-hmm. still Paralympic time, but by his own admission in the post-race interview, he was jogging for 50 metres of that race.
1: That was amazing. When he, when he got asked, how do you think and uh what do you think about getting a Paralympic record? He goes, seriously? He's like, really? What? Oh, I
0: was jogging. <laughs> Like I love him so much, and he was—he meant it. Like uh, he wasn't—he wasn't there joking. He was like, "Oh, I was jogging. Oh, okay, great. This means the finals looking good." <laughs> <laughs> he,
1: he won't have it all, all his way. There was a second heat that also went really fast, fast, but not quite as fast as Jimmy, the Usain Bolt Turner. Yes. Um, yes, He... yes. Yeah. He he nailed that race. I can't wait to see him in the final today. Uh, but there wasn't the only action at the track. Rhiannon Clark made it through to the women's 400 metre T38 final. And that, again, her finish in the last 50 oh, metres where she just... Kicks. ...chased down her competition to qualify. Uh, it's her first Paralympic game. She's a silver medalist at the Commonwealth Games. She's yeah. a bronze medalist at the World Championships. But now she is a Paralympic finalist.
0: And I just love her because, again... Her making the final is the biggest achievement for her. She was so ecstatic after the race and there was a noticeable kick probably the last 30 metres where she just chased down everyone in front of her to finish fourth, I think, in, in that heat to progress through to the final. But again, in the post-match interview, like how'd that go? And she's like, well, I did think in that final strike, you, got, you better start running a bit faster here.
1: You better start running a bit faster.
0: And then she bloody did. Like, to be able to think that but then actually do it, that blows my mind because I'm always like, you better just keep running just for a little second here before you take off. And then I'm like, I can't breathe anymore. I have to stop. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Her, her interview was a joyful interview. She was so happy to make that final. Uh, and this is, I'm sure that she sees this as a stepping stone for another games, another comms, another world champs. And it's just that, that continual reinvention of the Paralympic community. She will be a superstar.
0: Best of the rest. Now, I have a sneaking suspicion, Kurt Fernley, given your adoration for a few table tennis gods, as we've called them on the podcast, that uh, our table tennis team finals. May you get a mention here.
1: The table tennis gods, they continue to grow. <laughs> two more silver medals in the teams events. A shout I've got a so I've got to give a shout out to, to, to Marlene, Joel Coglan, Nathan Pelazar in the men's and Lee Nale and Yang Chan in the women's and um Millie Tapper yeah. was the re- reserve as well. But it was um look, it is by far our most successful table tennis team that we've ever sent away. That was a that was just such a such an amazing performance. And again, I just love our team, the diversity of who it is within it—sixty thousand years of heritage represented, as well as our newest arrivals. And and they they will be one of my highlights for the entire Paralympic Games. It's been incredible.
0: I have another best of the rest, a little bit left of centre. It's an athlete which I know who I know you know, Kurt. But I didn't know Ntando Malangu until this event in Tokyo 2020. I should have, but I didn't know of him. He won the 200 metres T61 last night final, but he'd also previously at Tokyo 2020 won the long jump T63. Now, he's a double amputee. He runs on blades and why I loved him, yes, the race itself was amazing. Again, kicks in in the last 20 metres because it's wet conditions, remember, as well. So it can be a little bit... uh a little bit extra tricky especially on blades to make sure that you do have that sure footing but in that last 20 meters he just ran over the top of Richard Whitehead who is a star for Great Britain he won gold in the 200 meters in this event in London he also did in Rio Malangu was in Rio he got the silver medal at 19 years of age though now this is a two-time gold medalist at a Paralympic Games from this meet and he's Blades tell the story. So in the long jump, he wore blades which had been painted white and they had the logo that said Arigato because he had dedicated that performance to the Japanese people for hosting the Paralympics. And then last night he had these incredible-looking legs that were all carved and painted with symbols of his culture from South Africa. And I just thought it was so wonderful, so wonderful to see his passion, visibly see it.
1: A superstar of the movement. Kind of came to notoriety through the the Rising Phoenix doc- documentary, which you, if you have not seen, you have to watch it. It's on Netflix. Uh, look, there are a thousand a thousand amazing stories. His one is beautiful, and his gratitude to the Japanese people mm. to uh, to the organising committee who who have actually it's been touching. able to nail this. It mm-hmm. is touching. It is amazing. Um, but we had another another great day out Paris paracycling. It was some tough conditions. Uh, look, Page. She got a bronze medal and in the great... and the great Alistair Donohoe take a bow, yes. the, the the reverse lion's mane, the mullet, <laughs> the mighty myth of the mighty mullet. Yes. Uh, he would get uh, fifth in the road race as well. But the way he spoke about that, he, he as soon as he was done, he said, I love racing. didn't work out today. He, he crashed. He slid out twice. Mm-hmm. He got back up. He chased the peloton. He rejoined them. But the fatigue of that got to him in the end. Mm. But even though it wasn't the race that, that he wanted, uh, the the first time he was brought down by the same athlete yep. that brought him down in the f- final 15 50 meters of Rio in t- 2016 Ugh. like it, it was it was hard to even think that that would be possible but he spoke about how much that—that's just racing. Yeah. You know, you turn up there in the best shape, and it may not work out for you. That's—that's that's the beauty of a Paralympic gold medal because it, it's so rare and it's so hard to get. That's why it is celebrated so much. But we have to celebrate our an amazing, fun, competitive, <laughs> fierce, bloody cracking. You little ripper of a bloke.
0: Yeah, and he dedicated that win to his mate who died by suicide a couple of months ago, uh, his friend Will. So, Alistair, we are with you. We love what you are doing. Kurt, I have to deviate just from our best of the rest for a second because in racing, when things don't go right, so if we take, you know, what happened to Donohoe yesterday, slipping you know slipping out a couple of times, having to get back on the bike. When things aren't going your way in a race, how do you mentally overcome them so that you can physically continue to perform to your best.
1: If you, if you fall, if things go sideways, you just remind yourself of what you can do to take control of that moment. Mm -hmm. There's a thousand things that you can't control. There's two or three things that you can. Uh, One is you, you just pick up and, and start pedaling. Make sure the bike's right. You know, like the, the simple things. And then it's just, you create this voice in who you are and you just, scream it internally, you know. Mm. I've crashed races. When you get back up, there's a lot of pain pumping through your system. But you can you can create a little space where you push that pain down or to the side mm-hmm. and you just create this voice that's just screaming at you to keep going. And it does work for a limited period of time, mm-hmm. but it can be hard to stretch that over the, you know, hour required mm-hmm. of a race.
0: What our cyclists were able to do on Mount Fuji this week with those conditions, hats off. Hats off to hats them. Off. It was incredible.
1: The wheelchair tennis god, the winner of everything, the gold, the silver, the everything in between. Dylan Orcott, welcome to the show.
2: Kurt G, I've been waiting to get my call up for Australia's Hottest Podcasts
1: i've loved watching you on the court i've watched more of your tennis over the last two weeks than i have been able to over 10 years it's been amazing uh, but the thing that stands out to me right now is how much you seem to be enjoying the game and the context that you're setting everything in that you can see the the young talent you can see the entire movement in front of you is that the way it is hundred percent
2: you know uh, this is the first time i've actually felt like the old man out there and um in <laughs> i semi-final against Niels, i played a guy he's literally almost half my age and you know i'm a, he similar to i guess what you were like for me kurt in a way like you know when i first popped up i came to you and i was like mate you know i want to work on the speaking circuit i want to advocate i want to train hard and you helped me the same way that Niels, when he was 13 read my book you know 14 he he i sent him a video for his 18th birthday to say happy birthday and stuff like that, and then he wanted to rip my head off on the court, and I love that. Like I, he brought it to me, and um, you know, there, an element of cha- changing of the guards. You know, I'm not I'm not gone just yet, but I, I wanted to play the best to be the best. I wanted to get pushed, and you know, I love what the Paralympic represents more. You know, more so than what it represents for sport. You know, and and to see the next generation of young athletes coming through, how bloody good has our Australian team interviews been after their competition? Like, I'm I'm redundant. You are redundant, Kurt. We are done. We, we don't... They don't need us anymore. Like every single winner, or from bronze to gold, to even people, people who don't medal, what they're saying on TV, I'm like, this is incredible. And yeah, I'm proud, mate. I'm just proud. I'm proud to be part of it. I'm proud to be a very, very small cog involved in it. You know what I mean? And just where the sport is, the Paralympics is going, the eliteness of the competition, but also what is getting said afterwards has blown my mind, mate. And yeah, just a privilege to be part of it.
1: Look, I'm going to jump in before Georgie does and just just say to clear this up, I am clinging to relevancy by, with my fingernails. So don't, <laughs> <laughs> so don't write this old dog off. I'm, I'm glorying my way to the, the, the glory that what they're doing over there.
2: I'll be I'll be there with you in Paris. We'll be on the desk together, and no one will know what we look like. Who's who? That's really gonna blow some minds there. No <laughs> one worry about that.
1: It'll be like a convention. Everyone will be like, "Wait, I understood there are one, but now there's two. What is this?
0: What know. is this? Exactly." Yeah. Hey, Dill, what do you actually put that change and that growth of the Paralympics? movement but also recognition uh, in the wider community here in Australia and how has that then helped the younger generation of Paralympians that you're seeing? What are you you putting that all down to?
2: Well, first and foremost is the generation before me and the generation before Kurt and the generation before that because we got, you know, I fully appreciate that I am one of the extreme lucky few, Kurt, you, you as well, who have made it in the mainstream, right? And all we want is that to trickle down to the current and next generation of athletes to come, because that's what they deserve. That's what the generation before us deserved, and the generation before that. And without the work that that you know people did, we aren't here doing what we're doing right now. We aren't live on TV for 16 hours a day. We don't have podcasts like this. We don't have sponsors. We don't have the recognition of the Australian public. And um, it first and foremost comes back to what the work that people have done tirelessly for years and years before before these games. But I will say the the buy in from the Australian public has been pretty special, and it's what we always dreamt of happening. knew could happen, but did you really think it would happen? I'm not sure, but it's happened, right? And that look, I get goosebumps talking about it because the day that it happened for me personally, 2017, I was like, you know, this is all I ever dreamt of because it gave me personally the platform to talk about what I'm most passionate about, which is not sport. It's changing perceptions so people with disability can live the lives they deserve to live. Right. And sport gave me that platform to do it. And the Paralympics was the biggest factor of that. It wasn't grand slam tennis. It was the Paralympic games. And, you know, to be honest, I don't, the the, the younger generation of athletes who are here who I'm learning about the same way that you guys are learning about right now, what they are saying is blowing my mind. Like, Things that I wish I had in my back catalog that I was saying I might some of the stuff. Other than <laughs> my gear, you know what I mean? Like, like you know, Maddie De Rosario won her race, and what she said about you know, obviously the Paralympics is great, but not every person with a disability can be a Paralympian, right? And no, everybody deserves the right to not have to advocate for reasons why they deserve to be who they are and why they deserve a space in the room. And like, I was like, that is unbelievable words what she said right to normalize our whole community not just if you're a sensational sports person right and that's what is special to me is that of course we're seeing elite sport and it's changing the perceptions of athletes with a disability but what I want is to change the perceptions of all people with disabilities because there are so many people out there with incredible skill sets who are not getting the opportunity to do what they want to do whether they are lawyers, doctors, mums, dads, teachers, educators, politicians, whatever it is, right? And hopefully the Paralympics is, a, you know, a bit of a beacon to change perceptions for the wider community of people with a disability, not just in Australia, but but all around the world, you know. And and we have it pretty lucky in Australia in some areas, to be honest. And you see some of the other athletes from other countries who. Have it really tough, you know? Look at the work that we did to get the the, the whole community to get the Afghanistani athletes in. Like, I almost cried when I saw that. You know, I did nothing. That wasn't me. That was Kurt, you, and the board, and and everybody else. And, you know, I just almost swore. I just effing love the Paralympic Games. I can't tell you how much I love it. And you saw me tear up after my semi-final win because I just almost swore again. I just bloody love it. I love it so much. And I almost lost and I was almost gone and I somehow found a way to win and I'm still going. And I got another opportunity to, to, you know, go out on that court and be a Paralympian. You know,
1: but I totally agree. I couldn't agree more that if you put all zeros in that medal tally, the impact on the community remains the same. I think uh, it, sure that it's more complex and the, the impact spreads wider because of the exceptional performances in the sport, but the way they've crossed the community, the way they've landed on the telly in a post race interview, it in its, on its own merit, has been sensational. But we've got to talk tennis as well. So um, how do you describe the uh, the quad doubles final, that silver medal? Uh, what does that performance mean to you?
2: Yeah, we are obviously bums, first and foremost. Um, we got pumped. They smashed us. And credit to them. They're an 18- and a 21-year-old kid who just took it to the Parallel Champions and smashed us. So it was impressive. I've got to give them props. We didn't execute the way that we wanted to, but obviously I'm still proud of a of a, of a silver medal. Um, you know, in a two-horse race, sometimes it's hard to realise you've won gold. You feel like you've lost gold. Uh, sorry, one silver. You feel like you've lost gold. Um, but, you know, I will be proud of it for sure one day. It's still a great achievement. That's for sure. And um, I'm just really proud that I get to play with my best mate, Heath, as well. And, you know, we probably didn't have the best day. And afterwards he said, sorry. I said, mate, you got nothing to apologise for. Win, lose or draw, I could not give a shit about how you played. You're still my best mate. And, I, you know... It was just an honour to be able to play Paralympic tennis with my best mate. I mean, you you probably didn't get the opportunity to to do that with your best mate, Kirk, because you don't play a team sport like that. I, he's literally my best mate. Like, who gets that? No one. Nobody ever. So win, lose, or draw, I'm so bloody proud of him. And he had a tough – he's had a tough life, eater. And, you know, tennis saved his life the same way that it saved mine. And We met when I was 10 years old. He was 14. I was sponsored by Doritos. I was so fat. Um, and <laughs> So and he he was sponsored by Maccas. So we were both you know, I kids who hated ourselves and we found sport and it was, it was so cool. So you know how could you know it still a great experience. Um I'll tell you what I am. I am tired and I am sore. I am an old man. I have I am cooked. So you know the the singles final was supposed to be. You know, last night after the doubles, it was gonna be at midnight because they had a scheduling issue. I was like, What are you doing? You can't put us on at midnight. And they came to their senses, which is now ten AM local time, Saturday morning here, which is eleven AM in in um in Australia, Australian Eastern Standard Time, um on Saturday morning, which is prime time lockdown time, I've been told. So um, you know, very excited to get out there and, and hopefully make everybody proud.
1: There's a possibility that this is your last game in the Green and Gold, the last game as a Paralympian um what's going to be going through your head when you take the court
2: you trying to get the scoop you work for the Daily Mail now do you
0: (laughs) I've trained him well Dill. I've trained him well
2: you know I'm going to enjoy it for what it is which is an opportunity that I've trained my whole life for right and I am the luckiest guy in the world to live the life that I live and um the Paralympics has been a special place in probably the reason I am who I am and it saved, my, it saved my life. It did. I hated myself so much as a kid. And it gave me everything. And um, so I'm going to sit there, look around and and think to myself, how bloody good is this? Because, uh, you know, uh, I'm so lucky. And I think if you are grateful for those moments, you can perform better, right? And you know what? I want to win more than anything. But if I don't, the sun will come up. I'm pretty sure my girlfriend will still love me. You'll, you'll both still be my friend. And I'll be all right you know, but I'm going to try and win. I'm going to try and do my best. But the only expectation I can have on myself is to be the best version of Dylan. Every time I go out there, you know what, I'm going to do everything in my power to do that. And if that means winning, well, that's incredible. But what I will do, I'll look down at the holes of my shirt and think about how bloody lucky I am to be here at the moment. And, you know, hopefully it turns out the right way, but win, lose or draw, mate, I'm going to absolutely have a crack and looking forward to the opportunity.
0: We'd expect absolutely nothing less from you, Dylan. And we've been saying on the podcast the whole time, I know it's taken us a few episodes to get you on, but we have been saying every single show, make sure you're watching Dylan every single second you can because we're not sure how much longer we're going to get to see him. Dylan, we have a little segment here called Fast Five where we ask you five quick, fire answered questions. Are you ready to play? Fast Five.
2: I don't even know. uh, Just for everyone listening, these aren't set up. I don't know what they are. (laughs) all
1: right what do you wish you had in the village but you can't get
2: beers for when you finish
0: what's your superstition have you got any
2: the same song every time i roll into the court the wu-tang clans protect your neck my favorite rap song of all time everybody go listen to it for me in the morning so i can feel the energy
1: what's your all-time favorite paralympic moment
2: at the beijing paralympic games i saw a swimmer from china eating his fried rice, using chopsticks with his feet. He also swims 100-metre backstroke in just over one minute and 20 seconds with no arms. It absolutely, to this day, was the coolest thing I've ever seen and changed my own perception of how I view people with disability. I didn't take that as inspirational. I just thought that was the most impressive thing that I've ever seen.
0: I want to know, because I've quizzed... Kurt, about this before too. What are your feelings about being called an inspiration or being called or referred to as inspirational? How do you take it?
2: Roger Federer is inspirational because he won lots of Grand Slams. If you're calling me inspirational because I'm good at tennis, very lovely. Go for it. If you're calling me inspirational because I'm in a wheelchair and I've happened to have myself a life, a pretty good life, that's bogus. Right? (laughs) Higher expectations on us than just living. So the, the, the sport accolades and that can be inspirational, but me having a you know, awesomely talented, good girlfriend. He's not inspirational. That's just me being me. If that makes sense.
0: Totally makes sense. Love it. And that's exactly what Kurt said, too. Uh, number Question number four Who's your favorite teammate? I have a sneaking suspicion we know who it is, but who's your favorite teammate?
2: I mean, he'll stab me with a knife if I don't say Heath Davidson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go with Heath Davidson. Um, I'm also a big Dan Michelle guy. I love the boccio. Yes. I'm pretty happy for my for my return serviceman legend, Curtis McGrath, for winning gold. Very pumped for him. He's considering you almost went out of the freaking lane yesterday.
1: <laughs> oh. Mate, if you weren't a wheelchair tennis player or basketballer, or gold medalist, what event would you be in?
2: Oh, I've got pretty long arms, small legs, and I look like a famous ex-marathon guy. So <laughs> 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 i other. going to be Now, if I'm going to come back in anything, because uh, I've already done the basketball and done the tennis, I would do Winter Olympics curling.
1: You know what? I know two people that are looking for a teammate. Riley Bat, Denny DeToro, they chose that. We've got the third member.
2: There you go. Uh, that's us. Imagine us. We would be so shit. it. <laughs> 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 <Hey,
1: dude. laughs>
0: If you, sorry, I was just going to say, if you guys had a curling team, that whenever they were like, okay, quiet, please, because the competition's begun, quiet, please, between you, Danny and Riley, there would never be any silence on the curling I arena.
2: I don't want to knock the curling team at the moment, but you could drink beers and eat Maccas and do curling, couldn't you? <laughs> really? <Brilliant. laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be, I've seen Riley as a kid, we wouldn't be peak fitness, man, rise. That's, <laughs> I reckon if we started curling
1: mate uh, thanks for joining us on the show good luck we're cheering for you we're behind you as is the country Uh, regardless of whether we see you in another one uh, another Paralympics or not I'm grateful that we've had you in the ones you're there so far so thanks for your time mate and keep ripping in.
2: Thank you Legends and to everybody listening I really appreciate we really appreciate as a team everybody getting behind us and to tell you what remember the names remember the names of all the Paralympians you've seen these two weeks because you're going to be seeing a lot more of them that's for sure.
1: Nobody wears this green and gold as proudly, as fiercely, with as much determination as our next guest. We all had our heart in our mouth when we saw Carol Cook in the road race uh, slip and and fall. We, I don't know how to explain it, the, the entire nation gasped. uh carol's already got a silver medal in the time trial She is already a multiple gold medalist from previous games Mm -hmm. she is wonderful she is amazing she is fierce and it's so great to have her on the show carol welcome to you little ripper (laughs)
3: thank you
1: (sighs) carol our heart was in our mouth Uh, we we, when we saw you slide on the road the whole nation took a gasp how are you
3: Uh, look, um, it's funny, you know how you go to the gym and it might've been a while and you do a really hard session and you find the day after, but then day two, you feel like all those doms set in, you'd know what that's like, Kurt. Well, today I feel like a bus is hit me. (laughs) Um, but in saying that, um, the lungs are really good. Um, I'm looking at my monitor here. I've got them to turn it around to me and I'm at 100% stat, fat, so I'm pretty happy about that.
1: What are some of the injuries that you got in that crash?
3: I hit the deck at about 40k an hour, and I, I knew I knew it was happening, and I, I guess I just tried to stay as floppy as possible, not brace myself, because I saw it happening, and the the words OF came in my head, and I knew it was <laughs> gonna happen. There was there, there was nowhere I could go. Um, and I wasn't even sure, I knew I'd been entangled in a bike. I thought it was mine, um, uh, but it happened to be Marie East. And I, I don't know if you saw the footage. I, I tried to get up and fix her chain. I, cause I thought it was mine, but I guess, um, injuries like there's some skin off, but it's not huge. Um, you know, some skin off my knees. Um, I whacked the, uh, the barriers with my leg and that's where they thought I might have fractured my tibia, but I haven't. Um, They thought my ribs were broken or fractured, but nothing's showing up on the x-ray. They think that the lung was damaged just by the sheer force of hitting the ground. Um, And I tell you, it just goes to show that helmets uh, save lives because I bounced on my head. (laughs) This proves that I've got concrete for a head. Um, And I had no head injury whatsoever. I was lucid the whole time. I got lots of bruises and some skin off my arms, but no, that's it. And I'm probably, I need to buy a lottery ticket because I'm probably the luckiest person in the world right now.
0: Carol, I love how you say that's it. It, We're so thankful and thank the universe that you are okay. And you you are able to speak to us right now because Australia is really hoping that you have a really speedy recovery. We can't wait for you to get back here when you do. Uh, What was it like for you just trying to get back on the bike? Because this all happened, but then the next vision, the next scenes of the vision, you're getting back on your trike and you are trying to finish the race. What was going through your head?
3: Well, to be honest, the first thing that went through my head was that my family in Canada, my mum is 85, they were all watching this live. My husband was in Melbourne watching this live and my Aussie mum was in Wodonga watching this live. And I, and I lay on the ground, and, I, and I, I didn't realize how long I was there for until I saw the vision. But I kept thinking, just get up, because they're going to be worried. And I think the adrenaline was pumping to the point where I didn't really feel any pain. And I just wanted to get up to show them I was okay. I didn't want my mom having a heart attack. Um, as it was, my sister said that, you know, as soon as it happened, she screamed. My mom screamed and burst into tears. Um, and, you know, I've since talked to them, and, and Mum's fine. But I, I just wanted to, to, well, and then I thought, yeah, I can finish this. That was the pig that just coming in. Um, but as soon as I started to climb the hill, the, I knew there was no way. I knew that, I thought I had, like, fractured a rib. I've had rib fractures before, and, and that's all I thought it was. I didn't realize that, you know, I needed my lung reinflated. <laughs> but, um, so the climb was really hard, and I had to ride about nine kilometers to get back to the pits and as i got to the top of the climb i just thought well don't be stupid just go in you know um and the first thing i did when i got in was look at one of our coaches nick Formosa, and i said please grab my phone and send messages like that's all i care about right now just let them know i'm okay so that was the impetus for getting back on the bike to be honest
1: my God, you, you are the toughest person that I know. Yep. I, I'm changing. I'm changing my Twitter profile. It's gonna say I'm friends <laughs> with the toughest person in the world. That story. That's got like goosebumps. I I I, I want to give you a hug. I want to say thank you. Um, look, I I need to also congratulate you on that road time trial uh, in the T1 T2, the silver medal. Look, that was celebrated. You've given us some amazing moments over this last 11 days. How do you reflect on that race?
3: On the time trial, um, look, I gave everything I had in that. And um, I'm, you know, I'm really proud of what I accomplished. Um, I'm happy that Yana won because if anybody was to win, I would want it to be her, if it wasn't me, obviously. Yana um, has been around the cycling team since she was very young and she was on the cycling team before I came on so 10 years and she has always been the bridesmaid there was me and Marie Eve the Canadian who actually was the one who crashed in front of me we were on the scene and pushed her into third then Jill Walsh and myself were on the scene and pushed her into third and so always having been the bridesmaid it was really good And I was really happy to see her stand on the top step. I then found out, this is, you want a story from the games. I then found out that Angelica, who came third in the time trial, her husband died four weeks ago. And she was here riding in his memory. So for her to actually get on a bike and ride, to me, is, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. And I just think that was an incredible feat herself. So there's, you know, I couldn't have done anything else, and I'm proud of that silver medal. And you know, I, I was hoping that I would be back on that podium on Thursday, but uh, as as my sister said to me in a, in a message, she said, "Well, you've got unfinished business, and Paris is only three <laughs> years away."
1: Oh. Oh, Carol, Carol, we are so proud of you. Again, every part of that race, I I, I feel for what you what happened, but I. I, I, I'm in disbelief. I, I, yeah, I don't know how to uh, tell your story. It's, it's been, it's been just beautiful, and I am so happy that you are considering Paris. That is, that is great. But <laughs> oh, all, no, hang on,
3: hang on, hang on, Kurt, hang on, Kurt. Like I said, my sister said that. Let's just take <laughs> a year of let's, let's just take a year of time right now. We'll see how I pull up from this. Yeah. No, nah, Carol, um, yeah. you're locked in.
0: We've locked you in. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Your <laughs> sister and Kurt and I have locked you in for Paris, so that's written in stone now.
1: We might give you till you get out of hospital to confirm maybe. it. Maybe. But that's, that's okay, it. Okay. Thanks, thanks for that. Hey, maybe Carol, you want to I know check
3: with, Maybe you want to check with my husband.
1: <laughs> Outvoted. That's three, three. Yeah, sorry, we've, we've got the numbers. <laughs> Carol, we—I know that you've been through some some pretty hard moments in your career over the last couple of weeks, but we've got the hardest moment, no doubt, that you're ever going to approach, and this is the segment on you, Little Ripper. That's called Fast Five.
0: Fast Five
3: don't make me laugh because that does hurt
0: <laughs> sorry. Sorry. sorry sorry actually Seriously. that's really bad we, we, we can't make carol laugh no. <laughs> it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough Wait. we're hilarious carol <laughs> we're <Yeah>. hilarious
1: <laughs> we think we are carol what do you wish that you had in the village but you can't get
3: i could use a glass of red wine right now mind you. <laughs> okay carol
0: what's your superstition
3: well i have one superstition i wear the same socks for every time trial i've been wearing the same i keep them specially for my time trials and i've been wearing them since pre-rio and they've worked so far except they didn't get me the gold this time <laughs> but they got me on handy. the podium so
0: they
3: yeah yeah they're socks that uh, a girlfriend that i ride with and train with gave me and yeah they're my time trial socks so it's mm-hmm. a good thing Definitely. they get hidden under booties because they actually don't match they're, they're yellow but they got purple stripes so it kinda of don't match the outfit. Um it's, it's a, so
1: it's a lot more family friendly than than my lucky undies. So I'm gonna I'm gonna praise the lucky socks. <laughs> um what is your all-time favorite Paralympic moment?
3: It was on the road race day this year, um, when my teammate Stu Jones um knew he wasn't gonna podium and he rode with Tony Mold, who's a T one South African female cyclist, that um <laughs> I've been coaching for the last three to four months to get here. And I had actually said to her before the road race that if she didn't want to do the whole thing, because I knew she would get lapped, that if she didn't want to do the whole thing, she didn't have to. She could stop. And she looked at me and she said, I will be finishing. And she was struggling up that last climb. It was three kilometers long. And Stu Jones stopped his race. Because so he knew it wasn't the podium, and he rode beside her, encouraging her up that climb the whole way to the finish line. And she sent me a message from the airport and said, "Carol, your teammate has done something that I will never ever forget. So please thank him for me." And I said to her, "I said, well, Tony, there's one thing that you did here that I didn't do." And she said, "What was that?" And I said, "You finished." <laughs> and she said, "Well, I would have, she said, "I would have rather had both of us finish." But that moment, to me, is the epitome of what these Paralympic games are about. You know, we all strive for the medals, and we all want to hit that top podium. But it's not about the medals. It's about the encouragement and the partaking by people who have such severe disabilities. I mean, she, she was told for years she would never amount to anything or do anything because her CP was so bad. She was in a wheelchair. Um, she can't communicate verbally very well. Um, she has a carer. But put her on a trike, and she said, it's like freedom, and that's what these games mean. So that moment for me will be the moment in history, um, and, I, and I've sent you a message to just say thank you for, for what you did.
0: Oh, goosebumps, Carol. That was one of our favorite moments of the games. We've spoken about it on the podcast previously too, so that's so wonderful. And oh, you're just an absolute legend. Um, back to The Fast 5, question number 4. Who's your favorite teammate?
3: I would have to say Paige Greco. Um, Paige and I spent um, all of July together in Brisbane, and I love her. I love her like a daughter. Well, she's more than, more than half my age, I might add. Um, I think I'm older than her mom, but yeah, I do. I love her like a daughter and, and she's just wonderful.
1: Carol, if you weren't a Paralympic cyclist, what event would you be in?
3: I probably wouldn't have given up rowing um, if things had gone the right way with administration and stuff back then. So yeah, I'd probably be a rower.
0: Oh, Carol, we cannot thank you enough for joining us on You Little Ripper. From your hospital bed, we wish you the speediest of recoveries. We congratulate you for your silver medal and what you've been able to achieve over your Paralympic career.
1: Love your work, mate. We're headed back to the track. Reid McCracken, you've got a sixth in the 800 metres today. We've also got Nicholas Hum, Daniel Bounty, Dion McKenzie, Samantha Schmidt, Rhianne and Clark. It is an action-packed day at the National Stadium. The
0: archery is also on once again. I've been really enjoying this competition at the Paralympics. Australia is in the mixed-team archery elimination final against Poland. That's happening this morning. Taekwondo, Janine Watson is going to take on Roger Akamach of Morocco in round 16.
1: And if you have I haven't seen Janine kick the crap out of Riley back. Search it, and you're welcome.
0: Really, <laughs> they, this, is, this is this is searchable. This, this is searchable content.
1: This is a must-search event. They were messing around. On camera, Riley's all patted up and he goes, All right, I want to feel your kick. And Janine comes in with the kick and kicks him off the box oh. that he was sitting on. It, it, it is must see TV. He <laughs> handles the kick better than Dwayne the Rock Johnson because that's Riley the Rock
0: bat Oh, well, I know what I'm doing as soon as I'm out of this studio. Kurt, again, we've come to the end of another episode. This is the penultimate day of Paralympics action. It's the penultimate day of You Little Ripper for the Tokyo 2020 edition. Uh, And if you are loving it, please keep, letting us know and also go back re-listen to the episodes and say which parts of it you really liked we love all the reviews all the feedback when they're positive so keep giving it to us
1: you've got five hours in that back catalogue so jump on board replay it it's it's like spending a day with me and Georgie who
0: wouldn't want that (laughs) we're taking applications to join us in the studio we are not however we do want to know what you think of you little ripper so as always make sure that you're connecting with us on Twitter Hashtag you little ripper, hashtag YLR, tag at ABC Sport, tag me at Georgie underscore Tunny, and this guy?
1: Me, Kurt Fernley.
0: We'll be back soon. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.